Welcome to the Plant Cunning Podcast, where we explore a relationship to plants, other people, and the mysteries of nature. Coming to you from the High Allegheny Plateau in central New York, we are your hosts, A.C. Staubel and Isaac Hill. Okay, episode 42. My lucky number. It's the meaning of life episode. It's the degree of an eight, uh, of a rainbow. It's 42 degrees. It makes a rainbow. It's the answer to all questions in the universe. That's what I've heard, at least. Yeah. Well, this episode will be another duo cast. The high summer duo cast. Yeah, it's uh, mid-July here, and our gardens are at their peak. It seems like it's only just turned summer. <laughs> Yeah, the St. John's wort has just started coming out in the last couple of weeks, and um, there's still motherwort blooming, and the yarrow is just starting to pass. The elder flowers are just mm-hmm. passing too, turning into berries. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's been a cool summer. We had a really hot June, and then it's been raining almost every single day. Yeah, lots since of rain. July since the beginning of July. So lots of slugs and snails. So our ducks and geese are very happy about that. Our ducks just gobble them up. Yeah, it's really fun uh, weeding these days because instead of just making like a big pile of leaves for the compost, I'm separating the dandelions for the geese and they're very pleased. And then I'm collecting all the snails and slugs and um, feeding them to the ducks and the ducks freak out. They're so excited. Like usually the geese will come over when I come to the pen and be like hey what's up what's up you got treats what you got snacks with the ducks will kind of run away from me <laughs> but now that i have like my slug and snail game on the ducks are just like coming right up like hey hey what's up what you got you got that good stuff <laughs> <laughs> it's been really cool to watch them grow They're huge we got them the first week of june and so it's only been about what six seven weeks wow. and they're already fully feathered and huge they just grow so quickly We've been moving them around with our little electric fence in the the Suskovich style coops, and they've been eating lots of grass and slugs and pooping everywhere. And their first area where we had them, the grass just grew back so lush; mm-hmm. it was amazing. <laughs> so they're they're doing a real good job. Yeah, and they're safe from predators. We've had some neighbors say that their ducks and chickens were getting. Um, taken by a predator like just one by one at night and it's a bobcat they think it's a bobcat yeah um but we have this electric fence which you know can keep out most predators that get curious about the fence they just are like not trying to handle this electricity you know shock or whatever and then um the coops that they're in at night are pretty heavy so they can't be like lifted up by an animal and there's like heavy duty hardware cloth around the bottom and chicken wire around the whole top with a tarp on it and they're pretty light and easy to move for us but it's definitely not something that you know most animals could lift up so they're doing really good and the gardens are doing really doing really well we've got Mm -hmm. a lot of potatoes planted and all the perennial herbs that we planted last year are just going gangbusters right now can barely keep up with the harvest (laughs) Yeah, all the, processing. the potatoes uh, were dumpstered this winter, and yeah. uh, they're like the fancy little potatoes. Yeah, we just got a bunch of like yellow and red potatoes in the Aldi dumpster, and like 
January and just kept them. They started mm-hmm. sprouting and this was used for sweet potatoes mm-hmm. and they're doing really well. Yep. So <laughs> there's a tip for you. Yeah. Um, we tried to plant a row of milky oats and the blackbirds just ate were thrilled. Yeah. And we tried to cover it with a nice layer of straw, like carefully tucking them in so that they still got some dappled sunlight and weren't going to get choked out by the straw, but that they would like kind of keep the birds off. And I would put Ollie outside and be like, go get him, Ollie. And he knew exactly what to do. And he'd run into the garden and chase the birds away, probably causing more damage with his own paws. But <laughs> and it was like yeah. a job for him. Well, I guess with the oats, you really just got to like put them in a little deeper than mm-hmm. I did. Some of them are doing really well. There's some clumps of, of oats that yeah. I... Yeah, we'll get a few. Yeah, it'll be all right. You know, you got to throw a lot of mud at the wall, see what sticks, and learn from your mistakes. Yep. <laughs> That's. I feel like I've been making a lot of mistakes lately and, and uh, trying to learn from them. Mm. So, You know what I realized? What? The keyhole bed that we made last year with um, the peppermint at the bottom and the yeah. Ella campaign and the marshmallow, and yeah. the whorehound, like, right next to the lemon balm. Yeah. I feel like that was kind of like a COVID bed. Oh, that is a COVID bed. Wow. Yeah. Those are all really good herbs for that. Yeah. Or something. They're good for... You're not really supposed to say that on... <laughs> We're not... We don't treat any diseases, especially ones that start with C. <laughs> yeah, but no Nothing that we do is really good for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you're listening, FDA. Mm-hmm. We, we don't we do not do those kind of things. Uh, we just take herbs because they taste good. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but seriously, or not seriously, we also have been... I've, well, I've been obsessed with, um, like, flowers, really, honestly. <laughs> like, I got injured. So we've had a really, really intense month uh we don't really want to get into it all the details um that would that would take two hours uh but one of the things that i was i was bedridden for for a a little while and um i watched a bunch of english gardening videos (laughs) on uh cottage gardens and herbaceous borders and, and all that so i've i was really inspired by all of that and then all the diversity and all of the wonderful various flowers amongst all the herbs and everything it's you know there's a lot of similarities to like a permaculture garden the the old style cottage gardens so i've been uh i've just been working on this little i'm doing like a little prairie border and um adding a lot of of uh useful but also beautiful flowers like i put a buff butterfly weed in there bergamot uh wild indigo the baptisia Put in um, Greek New England, mullen, Greek mullen, New England aster, um, and the lily. The lily, yeah, put got some Turks cap lily, and that's gonna be in the back closer to the elderberry, where it's a little moister. And uh, what else? Well, there's some more things on the way. Some licorice, wild American licorice too. So it's mostly a native species, more like prairie species. But then the grass can grow up, and it'll just be like this prairie with all these wonderful flowers that are also useful in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. um and what's wonderful about this summer too is i've been able to plant i'm like still planting i planted some i'd like transplanted some new england asters today uh because it's been raining every day so like it really like and the temperatures temperatures have been really cool like Mm -hmm. june was was hot but it's been 
an average of like 75 here, which is mm. pretty cool for July. So I've just been planting because um, <laughs> I've got a lot of plants to plant. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's fun to, to imagine uh, the, the, the uh, like you using your imagination to visualize what these beds are going to look like in a, in a few years or even next year, or even later this year. Um, it's just, a, it's really good actual exercise of, of the imagination, which is actually a very, uh, important skill for, for magic. So mm. I think that's another, another good thing, another overlap between like garden design and, mm. and, and magic is like utilizing that visualization, uh, capacity. But, yeah. Like yeah. color blocking, like, mm-hmm. You were learning about that in the English gardening videos, right? Yeah, but then also like um, imagining in your head how this space is going to look in one year, mm-hmm. in two years, like what where the where the plants are going to be, what the colors are going to be, right? Oh, and over time too, because like that's one of the cool things about these you know herbaceous borders and mm-hmm. cottage garden, all these gardens like change through time through the season, so. You have to like, you know, what is what what is going to be flowering in June? What's going to be flowering in July? Like, how are all these things going to overlap? Mm-hmm. And uh, like, what, what? Yeah, and then what the colors will look like? Where, you know, what colors are where in this scheme? And like the various leaf patterns and everything. <laughs> it's really it's 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 fun. It's like a, and it's a good exercise of of the uh, imaginative fu- function, the imaginative mm-hmm. capacity, mm-hmm. the. Uh, visualization muscle mm-hmm. <laughs> as you will i'm excited to see this place in 40 years <laughs> yeah well who knows <laughs> who knows what it's gonna be like in 40 years mm. um that that brings me to another topic that's been on my mind is you know in as i've been planting out this garden and we've been you know designing and planting it out i've been trying to again throw as much mud at the wall as i can uh, because we don't know what the climate is going to be like in five years, next year, let alone 10 years, 15 years, 40 years. Some of the plants I'm growing are going to take 40 years to start really like coming into their own, like um, the shell bark and shag bark hickories, like the black, black walnuts. walnuts. Like they're going to take a, a couple of decades to really start hitting their prime. Um even like the pawpaws and persimmons, they mm-hmm. take a while to grow. And I've been growing all this from you know seed or really small starts. So I've been thinking about that. But we're, we're in a pretty cool, cool, cold climate right now. But it could very well be like, um, like northern Georgia, in, you know, in in twenty years. Mm-hmm. But it's it's also I want to uh, you know share my condolences and. Like my heart goes out to everybody on the on the West Coast who is mm-hmm. caught in fires or really ridiculous high smoke temperatures, thing. and the smoke. We actually we had smoke here in Central New York from Western Canada the last yeah. few days. The moon was red the last couple nights. Um, seeing it, I've been watching the moon every night, just like watching it grow and move around through the sky. And it was like shocking actually to see it just like so vibrant red, like a harvest moon. And then saddening to realize that it was because of the smoke coming from the fires on the West Coast. Yeah, it's got to be really intense. If it's, you know, we can see it all, it's affecting the atmosphere all the way over here on the other side of the continent. 
that's it's pretty intense and it just it seems like these uh like the cl the climate is is definitely shifting and we don't know what exactly what it's going to look like i've heard um people saying that the the northwest is is turning into basically the southwest right so like all all of the what's now like really fertile well i guess <laughs> not right now but what once was very fertile wet climate in the northwest is going to be a lot more like arizona um in the in the in the in the near future um and those those fires are making way for the more desert-like um plants to take over so i don't i mean i don't know i'm not a scientist and um i don't think even the scientists know what what exactly is going on and what what will be going on but i think that what we can't what we can do is 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 try a lot of different things and uh, look at look to see what's growing a thousand miles to the south of where we are now and start growing that Mm. But uh, John, Mike, John Michael, about well, water. yeah, and water. I mean, that's a huge thing. I mean, storing water. Like there are things you can do to help mitigate drought and uh, desertification. But storing water in the ground, using swales and ponds, and all that 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 can really help. And if people start putting that into action while we have the the availability of large land moving machines, uh, then that can that could be a, a big help for the future. Um, I, I don't know if you can really affect it totally. I, can't, I don't think you, you can change, you know, you can't change a Arizona into a uh, Ho National Forest, you know, but you can definitely, there's a lot more wiggle room than, uh, than, than you think, even though maybe like greening the desert is maybe a little optimistic. Um, it's at least worth trying and trying all those techniques. But so this brings me to um, this idea that John Michael Greer talks about called dissensus. And that's where, as opposed to consensus, where everyone decides on the one thing and does that, uh, everyone just goes off and does what they want to do, right? So you have a lot of different people doing different things, making their own experiments, trying their own things out. So you have a much higher chance of a couple of those things working out, right? Sounds like a duocracy. <laughs> yeah. That was how we ran Slash Root Tech Collective when I was a, a young lass in the Hudson Valley. It was a collective of a bunch of 20-something-year-olds. Um, and it was a duocracy. Like, people did things, and sometimes that meant um, kind of, like, redoing something that someone else just did or, you know doing something that maybe wasn't as helpful as needed, but then sometimes you would strike gold. And so it, you know, it has its advantages and disadvantages for sure. Yeah. It's, it's a way of throwing a lot of mud at the, at the, at the wall. That's it. <laughs> um, and also people, you know, being responsible for themselves and their own actions and not relying on other uh, authority figures or other people to tell them what to do. But just going on and, and doing doing it, doing what what they feel called in, in themselves to do, and that also like brings up for me the conversation we had with Guido Masse and talking about the diversity and why diversity is so important. And for me, that's another another 
uh, example of like dissensus and trying a lot of different things. In permaculture, we say a diverse system is a resilient system. So I think that's true on all levels. Like if you have a lot of beings filling lots of different niches, and this isn't just in a, in like what, like NPR would like you to think diversity means. This is on all levels. Like having, being able to talk to people who are not, who don't believe the same thing you do. That's an important skill. And allowing people to go off into their own ways and, and find their own ways of doing things, I think is uh, important. But also cultivating diversity, cultivating uh, friends who think different things than you do, cultivating gardens that have lots of different plants from lots, all, all the corners of the world, while also maybe emphasizing the native plants and the plants that were here first. But recognizing that the you know we don't know what the future is going to be, and so plants that we consider invasive right now might be very important to people in the future. Um, in the same way, like I'm not going to plant uh, <laughs> Japanese knotweed in my garden. I also do recognize that it's a very important plant if you want to uh, work on certain diseases. Not that we treat any diseases here. But <laughs> there's a really good book called by Stephen Buhner called uh, Healing Lime, and uh, I think there, a lot of those plants are, yeah, really important. Even if I wouldn't necessarily plant them in my garden, mm -hmm. you know where to find them, though. Right, right. I recently told a friend who offered to come and help weed the garden sometime that oh we don't we don't have weeds here <laughs> like jokingly but um, actually kind of seriously too it's just like there's a lot of plants that grow in the garden that are just kind of out of place, I guess. Like we are trying to grow other plants there, but I would still use like most of everything that comes up in the garden for medicine. And I'm usually really glad to see them, like whether it's dandelion or clover or motherwort or St. John's wort, like cleavers, prunella, like all these plants are popping up in the garden. Yeah. And uh, usually I end up leaving a lot, a lot, a lot of, of them. <laughs> but yeah. at the same time, I've actually been spending some time recently um, cutting down all of the knapweed that I can find mm -hmm. and all of the Canada thistle. Because those are, you know, pretty aggressive and I don't want them spreading and taking over mm -hmm. our fields or uh, or gardens. That, that uh, Canada thistle can really be a pain in the, in the butt on your feet. I guess it can be a, a pain in the feet. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so that's also what we're trying to do here uh, with with this podcast is to is to bring in a lot of different voices, you know, and people doing different things, and whether or not you agree with I, them on everything, and I I don't probably there's probably not one person that we've interviewed that I agree with one hundred percent with mm -hmm. at all, you know, on everything. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's important to hear those other perspectives and uh, and then let that inform your practice and your your direction, um, because no, you know, none of us can do everything, and none of us, I mean, you don't have enough time. All of the different paths that we've that we've just glimpsed so far in the last forty one episodes, mm -hmm. um, there's no way that that you can do all of these things, but um, maybe they can help. Uh, 
define what your path is and, and show you, you know, maybe I don't want to go down this road. Maybe I want to go down this other road. And, uh, yeah, so that's what, what we're trying to do here with this podcast. Yeah, create kind of like a big picture of with all these different viewpoints. Yeah, and see all the ways that you can work with plants and uh or at least many <laughs> <laughs> many yeah because there are you know many 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 ways <laughs> and also in looking in this uh big picture um i'm reminded of the conversation with janet kent and talking about like that sense of deep time and how um it well getting in contact with that is very important but there's also the 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 sort of obstacle with that is just kind of not acting because you know in the deep time nothing no action matters and nothing you do really matters but really everything that you do matters i mean and all of our collective actions create the future um even though it will co-create the future because no human um has that much power and even all of humanity doesn't have that much power that this universe is very vast but it's 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 that recognition of both the limits and the capacity to do you know uh so i think it really it it is very important to to touch into that deep time and that really big perspective and for me touching into that uh brings me to different conclusions about certain things that it might than janet kent for instance or some other person but i think that it's important for every person to to find that that perspective and then come back to the material plane uh and the day-to-day reality with uh inspiration to to do to act how do you access deep time well i guess for me it's more it's contemplation you know when you really contemplate the and, and you know spend time contemplation is a skill it's not just um like thinking about something quickly um deep thinking takes uh, a lot of practice too you know like i meditate every day and have been trying to develop this skill of contemplation um but really contemplating the uh humanity and the the deep cycles of time like mm. just like looking at how many billion years this earth has been around right and like all the different cycles through all of those billions of years you know we we humans just are this blip yeah and they're probably you know i wouldn't i wouldn't doubt that there have been um other races of hum of humans like neanderthals or so on that have the, the same had a similar level of complexity that we do now maybe not uh technology based on oil you know but maybe some other kind of um, thing and there may have been other species like what if there were you know dinosaurs that how do we know what <laughs> but there also will probably be many species of an you know quote unquote intelligent life after us in the many billions of years to go uh before the sun you know does that heat death thing and <laughs> but then there are also like so many th- like looking at the night sky you know that I think grief is one way of yeah accessing deep time or 
like it just really messes with time because you could just be like sort of in a different place lost in thought and look at a clock again and you're like okay hours went by and I was in this present moment um and you're really contemplating like the meaning of life and death and it gets you into a different headspace yeah I think that's that's quite profound mm-hmm <laughs> So there are probably many ways uh, to really... Access deep time. Yeah. Being with plants. Sure, yeah. Being on a mountain. By the ocean. Yeah. Someone I love very much just told me they were harvesting rose hips for me by the ocean and destemming them. Oh. And uh, sitting there and didn't realize, but when they looked back up to come home... The path that was once the beach was just ocean. <laughs> so wow. they access some deep time. Yeah, time is time is funny. Mm-hmm. It uh, like we have these clocks, and they tick tick tick, but the subjective so annoying <laughs> is is very different. <laughs> yeah, it seems like the summer's already gone by so quickly. I can't believe it's almost August. Mm, oh, yeah. So that reminds me of the song that we just recorded. I was doing video for Isaac and our friend Abigail, um, who recorded a beautiful rendition of an old classic song about the wildflowers blooming. <laughs> yeah. What's Wild it called Ma- again? Wild Mountain mm, Time. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Friend Abigail from the Red Argus was uh, hanging out with us for a, for a week. And uh, yeah, we got to record some some music, some some videos, which I'll put up on YouTube shortly. If you if you don't know, I have a, a little YouTube channel, uh, The Hills and the Rivers is my band, and I've been putting up solo uh, videos up there uh, a couple times a month. So I'll put those videos up soon. But yeah, that's a wonderful song. It's a mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was recorded in the garden, so there's you know clover and mullein blooming and other beautiful flowers around and it was a fun one to record yeah yeah i love that song it's one of the the few songs about foraging basically (laughs) i mean well it mentions foraging in it i'll range through the wild through the dark glen so dreary and i'll bring back the spoils to the bower of my dearie Will you go, Lassie, go? Yeah, that's a good song. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we should probably go. Uh, this has just been kind of a little update duo cast for us. We've got a lot of really great interviews scheduled um, for the future. Uh, but whew, this last month has been pretty intense. Mm. Uh, I guess this whole has been... It's been intense this whole summer, whole year, (laughs) (laughs) whole two years. Wow. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we're getting through it and we're, we're not just surviving. We're gonna, we're, we're fixing to thrive too. (laughs) (laughs) We're fixing to. Yeah. The gardens are certainly thriving. Yep. The plants are definitely holding me. Yeah. Keeping it all together for me. Yeah. And Isaac course and also we've gotten some some good feedback lately um if you ever want to hit us up uh we're at um plant cunning at gmail.com uh 
and we'd love to hear from you. And we appreciate all of all of the people who have uh, gotten in, in contact with us and have yeah. shared and supported yeah. us. Like, thank you so much to all of our Patreon and Anchor supporters who are sharing. Fa- 